All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. Your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo. This is the show where young salespeople come to get better at the sales craft. Um, this is episode 292, Wednesday, April 6th. Excited to be here. March Madness just uh, finished up. My bracket got busted on Saturday from Duke. Um, what else is going on? Q2 kicking off for most of us here. Uh, I got one more month here in Q1 to you know, try to slam down some quota. Stoked for today's interview. Uh, Rachel Gasparini is an absolute stud. Uh, you are going to love this episode, especially if you're someone that is um, either an SDR that wants to become an AE or an AE that's maybe in a SMB mid-market that wants to get into enterprise um, because that's Rachel's path and she blazed that path. Um, she was at Optimizely for about three-ish years, rose through the ranks, just landed at LaunchDarkly uh, last year as an enterprise AE, um, which is you know really early in someone's career to be at that level. So she's obviously crushing it. Um, she also coaches for Sales Impact Academy. She mentors for SV Academy. And one of her LinkedIn posts, which we'll talk about, really stood out to me about how she used vis both visualization and very intense uh, methodical execution to demolish her quota in 2021. And we had a great conversation. Uh, it touches both kind of like the mental mindset aspect of things, which is more of the visualization. And then we also get into more of the tactical ways that she went about um, crushing her number, which you know you might need a pen and paper for to take notes and, and hopefully apply it to what you're doing. So um, real quick, before we get to that, if you like this show, if you like this episode, please subscribe wherever you're listening on Apple or Spotify or YouTube, and then go follow me on LinkedIn. My name is Tom Alamo. I post every single day about sales and mindset and all this different good stuff. And uh, your support would be super helpful in trying to reach more people and trying to help them. So uh, without further ado, let's get straight into my conversation with Rachel Gasparini. Let's go. All right, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome back to Millennial Sales. We've got Rachel Gasparini in the house, ready to talk all things sales and mindset and visualization. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Excited to be here. Um, I am excited to have you on. Um, you you're one of the rare people that I just saw like one post from you on LinkedIn. And I was like, I need to have her on the podcast and uh, was not shy about it. Put it in the comments, like just trying to shoot my shot and um, thankful that you wanted to come on and, and, uh, and share your story. So I'm excited to uh, help inspire some people today. I love it. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I think game attracts game, right? I also really admire your posts cool. and I'm excited for this conversation today. Respect, respect. Uh, so before we get into some of the meat and potatoes of that, I'd love, I'm always interested in how people get into sales, start that sales journey. So um, what's the story behind that? Oh, here's a story for you. I mean, I think most of us, right, don't expect to be in sales. I mean, I think there's a small percentage of people who actually dream of having that as their career. And I am biased. I think it's the best career in the world now, but certainly not the vision I initially had. And I think, you know, I originally found myself on this path looking, you know, hindsight 2020 right on your life. It was in high school for sure. Um, you know, I actually, I, I grew up not being able to do any sports. I had this ankle condition where I couldn't run, jump or kick and it's pretty much all sports, right? So <laughs> 
um, every time folks were going to uh, PE or doing sports, I was in the library. And with that, you know, I had a lot of competitive drive and hustle, but I was trying to find that activity where I could really let it shine. And eventually in high school, I found it in competitive speech and debate. And I think that was kind of the, the inclining of where I found myself today. And I definitely was that nerdy type. I was in speech. I did parliamentary debates who want to. And um, I also did one of the speech types called oratorical interpretation, which is kind of like motivational and inspirational speaking. And I did it all four years in high school. Yeah. And eventually became the captain of like a hundred person speech and debate team and wow. went to the state championships many times. And so I think that's where I started to kind of find, you know, I loved communication. I loved um, storytelling. Yeah. But yeah, from there, I, I ended up studying journalism at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Loved it. Great profession, but I started to kind of get to like my junior, senior year, I graduated about four years ago. I'm like, man, this industry is really turbulent. Like there's absolutely a place in the world for media, but I felt like the revenue model was pretty broken and it was uncertain what a career path really looked like there. So started to think like, how could I use the skills that I know and love in journalism, like technical writing, storytelling, asking people good questions, making them yeah. feel comfortable. And I just kind of had a heart to heart with my dad. He's a small business owner. He owns a 76 gas station. And he always said, you know, Rachel, the key to my success is sales. And that's kind of how I first got the inclination idea. But I, I can go on from there. But that is kind of the origin of some of the skills I think that led me here. That's awesome. That's super interesting. Um the only other time that I even knew really what speech and debate was like where I learned was uh, Sarah Brazier, who's uh, LinkedIn famous gongster. I had her on the pod and yeah. she was really into that world. And I learned that speech and debate are actually two different things. It was like, <laughs> yes. you're not, I was like, oh, so you're just debating people all the time. She's like, no, I was in the speech part. That's like the whole, yes. a whole different team. So is that, so you were, is that the same with you? You were like doing the actual speech parts? Yeah, I was doing both. And Sarah and I are good friends. Um, okay. We were late on our, our speech and debate times uh, as well. But yeah, the speech type is more you giving a speech to an audience. And the debate part is, you know, back and forth, either one on one type of debates or two on two. So I did the two on two. Um, okay. I think you get good skills from both. I bet. So were you intimidated? Like the first time you were doing speeches? Like that's most oh, people's yeah. <laughs> biggest fear in life is either public speaking or probably sales. So um, was that scary? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard to get up in front of an audience, right? And I think, like you said, public speaking is one of the number one fears. But with anything, if you lean into it, like you can conquer it. You just have to keep trying and practicing and driving that success. And I think we, we see that in sales too, right? you have to put yourself in new and scary positions all the time to get ahead. And, um, that's part of the game. Yeah. What was, was there any takeaways that, that you had that you feel like you use today, whether it's related to, to speech and how you influence people, uh, or debate and how you maybe handle like a, a, a tough negotiation or a discovery or anything like that, that, that sticks out to you that you learned, like to learn that at 16 or 17 in high school is huge. I mean, most of us aren't learning those skills. So I'm just curious if anything sticks out. Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a lot of subtleties to communication that go a long way in conveying your message. 
the content is obvious, right? You got to have that on lock, but things like intonation, voice, emotion, um, making good eye contact, having good posture or using your body language to your advantage are all skills that, you know, I had to hone on a minute detail in speech um, to get ahead. So I think that's helped me with in-person meetings and sales. That's helped me, you know, in the virtual world that we're in today, body language matters, especially when, when we're in this virtual selling world, right? Where we can't sit across the table from each other, but you, you need to connect with people. And I think those little subtleties make a big difference. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, need to, I need to read something for the audience here. And this is the post that originally caught my attention. I think the meat of, of what we're going to get into today. Uh, so stick with me, everyone. It might take like 20 seconds, but uh, here's the post. Quote, I will, all caps, demolish my annual number, end quote. Uh, I titled a spreadsheet of mine that exactly one year ago today, it was my very first day at Launch Darkly. I looked at it every single day. I took action on it every single day. I was very determined to succeed in my first year as an enterprise rep, uh, dot, dot, dot. The results, 122% annual quota, over a million dollars closed, two international vacations, because it's not all about hustle culture. You can achieve more than you ever believe possible, but you have to put your mind to it set affirmations, be disciplined, choose to believe in yourself over believing there's no way you can get up that mountain. (laughs) Where does that come from? The fire in my belly, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) We got to unpack that. (laughs) I'm with you. Yeah, I just... I think mindset is everything, right? Like in sales, you got to focus on what's in your control. And that's the not the easiest thing, but that's something that is only up to you, right? And you got to work to get to that mindset, but it can have incredible results. So was that something that you, because I've done similar things with, uh, you know, a spreadsheet or writing something on a piece of paper and sticking it on the mirror or all that type of stuff. Um, was that something that you were taught? Did you read that in a book? Have you been doing that for years? Um, where, where did you, or you, maybe you're just like, hey, this sounds like something I wanna do internally and I'm just gonna do it. Where, where did that idea come from? Yeah, no, I love that you think like that too. I th- just think it's mission critical in the line of work that we do because it can be a really tough job, right? And yeah. you gotta have a strong head on your shoulders to get through those ups and downs. and. In terms of where I learned it, I think I've always really believed in the power of dreaming big and getting your goals on paper. Um, Even when I was in school, right, and dreaming about my career and what I wanted to do, I think get it on paper, right? Set those affirmations. And if you just dream it in your head, that's one thing, but every dream needs a plan to actually become reality. And so, yeah, I just did that, you know, growing up, I would always like I, I write my goals down in three categories, personal, professional, and health. And every year I try to just keep it simple, right? I think if you overwhelm yourself with a myriad of goals, it's hard to accomplish everything and be focused. But I just have a couple bullet points under those three categories and I have that maniacal focus. So goal setting is one thing, but I think the more important thing is having self-belief. Like, one of my favorite quotes is 
you have to believe to receive. If you don't believe in yourself, who is going to believe in, in you or take you seriously when you know, you're trying to bring a new idea or perspective to the table and a deal? And so I noticed in particular, women struggle with self-belief a lot in the business world. I think we've been knocked down many a times and um, that self-doubt creeps in a lot. I know I was definitely vulnerable to that early on, like my first year as a BDR. And so I, I started to look to resources on how can I drive that self-belief, right? I knew I had a lot of fire and energy in me and I needed a couple tactics and tools to get to that next level. And so I started to think about confidence and self-belief. Um, sorry, my series going off, but uh, I, I read this book called The Confidence Code and it's specifically about women and why women struggle with self-belief and self-confidence uh, more than men. And a lot of it has to do with how you grow up and what you're told as a girl and a woman. But this book was incredible. They did amazing interviews. They unpacked the science behind it. And the takeaway, right, was a lot of women try to please others or drive towards perfectionism. And I think that goes for a lot of people, right? Not just women, but what they stressed was let yourself go of that, right? Take risks, take action, put yourself out there. It doesn't have to be perfect. And that self-belief and confidence will grow. And so that, that book was a game changer for me. I love, I love that we're talking about this because I've, I've seen a lot of, I've read books and seen studies and, and talked to, you know, I know a lot of, you know, women in sales that uh, say the same thing. And, um, you know, so I'm glad that we could have the conversation. And it feels like step one is kind of like the awareness of like, you know, how we were raised and how typically, you know, boys and girls get taught different things and verbalized different things and praised for different things, um, generally speaking. And, and then the second piece is like, okay, well, I'm here today. I, I know that, um, but I want to change things. And maybe I don't want to be as uh, passive or as, you know, trying to please others or, you know, defer on what my dreams are or however, you know, you might be thinking about it. Um, you mentioned kind of like learning some of the tactics. Uh, it sounds like you looked at that spreadsheet, like you have the goals that you set in those three buckets. It looks like you, you looked at that spreadsheet every day uh, as kind of like reinforcement and, and keep that hunger going. But anything else that stands out to you in terms of confidence and believing in yourself that, that you make as, as kind of a habit? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, the spreadsheet is a tactical tool I use, right? But I think the more important piece behind it is changing the attitude about how you think about yourself. A lot of people, you know, will get promoted to account executive for the first time, or maybe in my position, it was uh, moving it as into an enterprise role for the first time. And that's freaking new and scary, right? You get slapped with a huge quota. <laughs> I think a, a lot of people look at that and they're like, damn, there's no way I can get to that number or how the hell am I going to get there? But shifting the mindset to saying, wow, that, that's a big number, but I can do it. I'm determined to get there. I might need, be new to the game and new to the practice, but I can do it. And so that was the point of the spreadsheet, right? It, it was titled, I will demolish my annual number. And I think when you lean into it with that attitude, the actions start to follow, right? If you believe you can get there, you start to take the actions to get there. And if you kind of come at it from a place of recalling, 
you doubt yourself on every call, right? Every step of the deal, or maybe I don't have enough pipeline and those can still be realities, right? But I think you got to believe in yourself um, and putting that energy out there and affirmations and seeing it on paper or writing it down every day, you're, it's going to naturally come. A lot of people say, if you write something down every single day, it's going to become one of your beliefs. And I, I just think that's so incredibly powerful. Me too. Do you do, um, do you actually like rewrite the goals? Do you speak them out loud or maybe you just look at them? I know that's a little tactical, but I'd love to just hear how you do it. Yeah. I, I say them out loud a lot. Like that just helps me. I think you can write them down. I, I go for daily walks and I mean, I I love my music. It hypes me up. I'm a big Cardi B fan. I'll listen (laughs) to some Cardi B in the morning and I'll be like, I'm going to kick ass today. Right. Or I'm going to demolish my number and having that positive self-talk to yourself. It's one of the best things that you can control, but people let it get out of hand. Right. I I read, I was listening to a podcast recently and it was like, if somebody put your inner thoughts on, you know, a, a speakerphone at like a stadium, would you be proud of what you were saying to yourself, beating yourself up? No, probably not. Like, I, I think you got to be nice to yourself and kind to yourself. And that doesn't mean, you know, you can't be reflective or, hey, maybe I could have done this better next time. But that self-talk is critical, right? And, and being positive to yourself. The sales is hard enough. And if you're, you're beating yourself down all the time, I think you're not in a good place. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the most valuable, you know, relationship that we have is with ourselves, right? And uh, you might say like, oh, I don't really talk to myself. But then if you, if you think about it, you're always talking to yourself. There's always that voice in your head telling you what to do, um, saying how you feel about something, you know, having different beliefs about things, you know, oh man, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling good. I'm going to crush this call. Oh man, my stomach hurt. Like it just goes on all day long. And so totally be able to, to kind of program that in a way to be positive and to be encouraging to yourself is I think one of the most important things that a human can learn because that can get you through a lot of tough shit. Absolutely. And I think it's required in the world of sales, to be honest, but that skill helps you in all parts of life, right? Like yeah. we know life is not easy. And I think, you know, if you can build up this strong, healthy mind in sales, it actually helps you in all aspects of life um, to be resilient to, you know, if something comes your way, you can be nice to yourself. You have that good self-talk mechanism that you've been growing and um, yeah, that, that's it. So I'd love to hear, you know, when it's a good day, uh, I feel pretty good today. You know, it's Friday. I've had a good <laughs> week. Uh, I'm in Tahoe. I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, so it's easy for me to like, you know, be, be feeling good today and like feeling confident before my, my next call that I have and for this podcast. Um, but there's some days where I, you know, I wake up and I, I feel like shit, just like anyone else. And I feel tired or I feel sad or I feel scared or whatever it might be. And uh, or you're hitting a rough patch for whatever reason. Um, is there anything you do differently when something like that happens to you? Or or do you just kind of stick the course? That's a good question, right? Like, we don't all have good days. I wish we did. But I think there's beauty in struggle, right? Like, we wouldn't feel those good days and those high days without knowing what the low days feel like. And, um, you know, 
for me, I have a couple different approaches. Like, of course I still have bad days, right? I've even this week, I got a lot of no's <laughs> in some of my deals and that's, that's just how it works. And it, it doesn't feel great in the moment. Right. But I think reframing your mindset is critical. Having an attitude of gratitude in the moment, right? Like if I wanted to fuse something, like I'm not, I, I got to know, right. I go on a walk. I do some exercise. I kind of get that out of me and then I come back to the table, either, either like after a good shower, after a night's, night's sleep, right? And you just have to zoom out. Like this is one day, right? Or one deal or one conversation or one time that you messed up. But I'm super grateful to be where I'm at today. Like when I first got, got started in sales, I was super scrappy, right? I didn't know anybody in the Bay Area. I didn't have any connections. I basically lived in a shoebox in, in Berkeley and, you know, had someone living in the living room and it, it was humble times, right? Humble beginnings. But I, I remember those days, right? And I'm like, wow, look where I'm at today. I'm an enterprise rep talking to some of the best logos in the world. And I've got a ton of opportunity. I have people around me that support me, who believe in me. And yeah, I think it's, it's humbling, right? It re really resets you. At least it works for me. And um, I'm just grateful for some of the opportunities my parents did to get me to this point and have this opportunity and I want to make it for them. So yeah, I just, I try to zoom out and that really resets things for me. Yeah. Just, I'm just kind of reflecting on you talking about speaking things out loud and the power of, of verbalizing things. And I remember um, it was 2017 or 2018. And, um, I remember I was just like, it was probably the year I was, I was most just like in a groove. I, uh, I had my best sales nice. year probably ever. I was like sales rep of the year at the company. I ran my first marathon. Like things were just, there's some years where, where shit hits the fan and some years where everything works well. And that was just a year that everything seemed to, to flow. And I remember every day when I would walk, I'd have a 15 minute walk to work. And I would be like speaking these things out loud. It feels embarrassing to say, but it's, <laughs> and, and people in San Francisco, well, it's not really a, a, you know, out of the norm for people to be talking themselves <laughs> on the street in San Francisco, but um, people were probably like, what is this kid doing? But I would be out and I'd be like describing like, oh, you know, I'm going to win this award. I'm going to shake the CRO's hand on stage, you know, yes. I'm going to cross the finish line of that marathon. And like, I would be describing it like in detail to myself out loud for the 15 minute walk. And, um, and I, I actually have strayed a, a little bit away from that. And I, I need to get, uh, I think a little bit back more into it, but you know, that all, all that stuff happened, like all the stuff that I laid out that year and thought about and focused on every day, you know, turned into reality. And so I think people I love are, that. are all on different, you know, spectrums of the, uh, you know, the woohoo meter of like, is this something that you guys dig? Is it not? Um, you know, it's all good either way, but there's, there's a lot of power to writing things down. And I think even more power in speaking it out loud, um, and just the connections that that can make in your brain. Absolutely. And you're right. It's not abnormal to hear people talking to themselves on the streets <laughs> and SF, but I love that you did that on your way to work, right? Like it makes all the difference. It gets you in the mood, the attitude to succeed and you visualize where you want to be and, yeah, I think the mind is a powerful thing. So I'm really glad to hear you had success with that too. I'd love to hear what role, you know, obviously there's a lot that you've done on your own, uh, you know, working, grinding, 
reading, you know, all these different things. I'd love to hear the role that, you know, other mentors or sponsors or people in your life have had uh, as part of this journey for you the last few years. Huge. I just think mentors and sponsors are so powerful and really needed to rapidly advance your career. I, you know, I got started as a, a business development rep at Optimizely. I was in that role for about a year and three months. Um, and mentors and sponsors really helped me take things to the next level to get into the AE position, to rapidly advance to an enterprise role now and have success. And I'm so grateful, right? Like I, th I think mentorship is a powerful thing and I try to give that, um, pay it forward, right? Especially for women. I think they need mentors and sponsors, but for me, like, I, I was that overeager SDR. Like I really wanted to go down the sales path. And I, I put my hand up at 11 months and I interviewed and I didn't get it, even though I had the best numbers on the team. And it was a humbling experience for me, but I had some really good mentors that I built in my corner. You know, the hiring manager now knew that I had interests, right? And I wanted to um, close the gap to get to that next level and be a, a value add to his team. I started building, you know, mentors with all the account executives on the team that I wanted to be on um, and sales leaders throughout the organization too. I really became good friends and a mentee with uh, the sales directors in the East and the Central, even though I wasn't under those territories. But I pretty much reached out and said, hey, I'm super bullish on sales. I'm determined to learn what it takes. I've heard really great things about you. And specifically, you know, if you have 30 minutes over a virtual coffee, I'd love to pick your mind on X, Y, and Z. Be specific, right? About what you want to get out of that time. And I'll make them feel like it's worth their time. And when you come prepared with lots of questions, energy, charisma, the right kind of learner's mindset, I, I truly believe people want to help people and they will invest in you and give you some time. And I was super fortunate to have some people like that. And I think there is though an important distinction from mentors to sponsors. Mentors are people who teach you the ways, right? And coach you and guide you to level up and skill up and drive that career growth. But let's not get, forget about sponsors. Sponsors are, you know, the ones who advocate for you in the room when you're not there. And, you know, in the term, in terms of me moving from SDR to AE, that's exactly what happened, right? I built up some key sponsors and leaders. They weren't even, um, you know, on the team necessarily that I wanted to be on, but they went out of their way to send notes to the hiring manager saying, hey, I really think you should consider Rachel. I've been working closely with her. She has all the right ingredients and I'd really like to see her succeed. And that's so powerful, right? When you get that endorsement from someone of influence and someone of, of um, sphere of power, right? So that you can rapidly advance your career because we're all new at some point, right? Someone's got to take a bet on you and a chance on you. And I think uh, sponsors play a really, really key role in that. Yeah, there's three things I'm, I'm hearing from you. And one, let, let's go back to verbalizing it, right? Obviously saying it out loud to yourself that you want that role, but if people don't know that's what you want, then how will they know to, to tap you when there's an opportunity that you won't be top of mind? So I think one is like shooting your shot. Uh, two yeah. is like, you know, we, we all need to, no matter how good you are at your job, no matter what your numbers look like, we all need help. It takes a team to get you there. 
Um, and I love just like the, the idea of, you know, we think about a director of sales, right? These folks you're talking about that have probably a lot of experience, they're super busy, their calendars are packed, but they would actually would love, like there's nothing more that they probably love if they're a good leader than to have someone that's young, hungry, prepared, thoughtful, that comes to them asking for guidance, takes action on what they suggested they do, you know, follows up and says, thank you. And tells them how the journey is going like that, that gives them a lot of fulfillment. That's one of the reasons why people choose to be in leadership is because that, that fills them up. And so you're actually, you know, doing them a favor. You're not, you know, bothering them if you're going Mm -hmm. about it the right way. Oh yeah. I think especially as young professionals, right. We think that we're bothering the leaders by asking for their time and sharing our career interests and um, wanting to hear what their journey has been like and, and what kind of advice they have. But like you said, Tom, it's quite the opposite. This is how they get energy. I think seeing a, a young, hungry sales professional who's motivated to learn and is asking the right kind of questions it, it's, is exactly what they want to hear from. So yeah, I think it's so hugely powerful. And I, I'm thinking of one mentor and sponsor in particular who's been influential for me. His name is Steve Waltons. He's an amazing yes. person. Yeah. And as I was kind of getting ready to make my next step after Optimizely, I wanted to take on an enterprise role. And I made that move externally to launch Darkly. And this was a, a perfect situation where he really advocated for me. I was only a mid-market representative. I didn't have any enterprise experience, but he gave my resume to the VP of sales and was like, you should really consider Rachel. She has a lot to bring to the table. The VP of sales looked at my resume and was like, I'm sorry, not, not enough experience to consider. And he was like, just have a conversation with her. And she did. And sure enough, we only had two conversations and she offered me the job. And that's the power of sponsorship, right? To help you get to that next level. And I'm still super thankful to see you this day. Was he at Optimizely while all this was happening or? He was um, at Optimizely with me originally. That's where we made the the connection and the mentorship. And then he moved to Launch Darkly and was there for like, I don't know, six or eight months. Um, And then, you know, got me the referral in. But really it was that sponsorship that, no, Rachel can take on an enterprise level role. Even though she doesn't have the experience, she's going to bring a lot to the team. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, I think we can't underestimate that because, you know, everyone on LinkedIn or on their resume, you know, everyone's the best sales rep ever. Right. And so it's hard <laughs> yeah. to, it's hard to identify, um, you know, as a, as a leader, you know, who's going to be the right fit. And oftentimes experience is one of the key things that they look at. And um, it's kind of a catch 22. It's like, well, how do I get the experience if I don't have the experience and I can't get the job? And so oftentimes it's like, you know, you need someone to, to be willing to, to either vouch for you or take a shot on you or both. And so again, you, you wouldn't, you couldn't have just hit him up, uh, you know, when he started there and you didn't have that relationship and say, Hey, I don't know if you know me, but we used to work at the same company and I was good. And, uh, you know, it, it took, you know, months or years of that relationship. Uh, and then it was the right time and opportunity and, and you were able to, to make the ask. And so, um, it's just always just a great lesson to keep kind of planting seeds and you never know who you're going to need in the future and who's going to need you and, and, uh, and what the future holds, but it's a small world. It's a, a small, it sales is. Book, so you got to take advantage it is. of that. Yeah. I think you always got to be doing your best work 
And if you're a person of good integrity, good character, you're really trying to foster those relationships. And I think, you know, gratitude is a powerful thing. I tell my mentors all the time. I keep them in the loop, like you said, of the progress I'm making and what they said and how it had an impact on my success and where I've been able to get to. And they want to see people win. I already have a slew of mentees now myself, and I want to see them win. So I think, you know, it's, it's a good thing to pay forward. And I'm so thankful for the power of mentors and sponsors. How do you, um, decide or how does the process work for someone that, you know, you mentor, uh, because you're obviously busy, you've got your own goals and mentioned wanting to pay it forward. How do you, um, do do you seek people out? Do they reach out to you? And, um, it's kind of depends on certain things that you want to look for to, to help people out. Um, how does that usually work? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I love people who are a student of the game, who have that passion and fire. You don't have to know everything, but I think it's very obvious and immediate to me when people do have that fire and passion and they come to the table with a lot of preparation, um, a lot of homework, a lot of research and a slew of intelligent questions, right? That show me that they're really excited to go down this path or they really want to take things to the next level. I find it almost hard to turn down people like that because I just have so much respect for the passion. Um, and I, I also really try to go out of my way to mentor diverse folks as well. I think we need to have more diverse diversity in sales, women, people of color, diversity of thought, diversity of background. You know, the reality is that our buyers are getting more diverse. And I, I know that companies are going to be more successful with a diverse sales team. And so I think as you tend to go up the food chain, right, um, from SDR to AE to strategic reps to leaders, you know, the numbers get smaller and smaller. And for me, myself here at Launch Darkly, I actually have the first female sales leader that I've ever had in my career. She's wow. the VP of sales and so badass and so inspiring for me. And I, I want to help lift other people up because I think, you know, it starts from the top and I'm certainly not there yet, but I, I want to help folks get up. And I, I think I've been lucky to have that from people in my life. And I work pretty closely with a company called SV Academy. I, I yeah. don't know if you've heard much about them, but tell me about it. Yeah, their their whole mission is to really help more diverse candidates break into this awesome, lucrative world of tech sales. And a lot of it obviously is who you know, right? To get that first opportunity, get your foot in the door. And they really try to democratize that, which I love. And I actually went through their program after I graduated. I was in the very early days of it, their third cohort for business development reps. And they pretty much, you know, get you trained up on the hard skills, but also the soft skills, things like emotional intelligence, empathy, awareness, all those things you need to be successful. And then they, you know, help broker some introductions to employers who, you know, want SDRs who are trained and ready to go and have the mindset to succeed. But yeah, they, you know, the, I think 60% of their candidates are women. Um, they have a lot of people of color, people of maybe who are career switchers, right? They were a teacher in a past life, but have all the right ingredients to be successful in sales and weren't necessarily given the opportunity when cold applying to these companies. 
So yeah, I work with a lot of folks who are going through that program now. I think they're on cohort 60 or so um, and, and help develop them to get to the next level. That's amazing. So I, I, definitely everyone um, go check that out if that applies to you, whether you want to be a, a mentor or a mentee. Um, I've heard the name, but I didn't know much about it. So I appreciate you educating us on it. Um, one question I had is just, you know, speaking like, you know, we're talking about being a woman in sales and how that's oftentimes different than being a male in sales or just in business or in life. Um, did you, did you find that you had to, or did you seek out women sales leaders? Because I think a lot of companies are, are trying to get better at this, but historically more leaders, uh, tend to be men. Um, and so it's tougher. Uh, there's a, a shorter, you know, lower percentage of people that are women that want to seek advice from women or people of color that want to see other people of color that are the VP of sales. And so there's, there's just seems to be a shortage of that. You'd mentioned like you just have your first women sales leader now um, at Launch Darkly. So I'm just curious, did you, did you happen to just kind of go towards the people that you worked for and that were at your company? Or did you seek out you know, on LinkedIn or, or otherwise women that were sales leaders that you wanted to learn from too? Yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, you know, the representation is still limited in the big picture of things. So you really do have to actively seek those folks out. I really struggled with this when I was first kicking off my career as a BDR. And I remember there was a time where I was the only female SDR of like nine or 10 men on my team. And they were amazing people, don't get me wrong. But where I struggled was actually to kind of develop and be my authentic self, which I think is so important in sales to connect with people. I would try all these openers and uh, different lines that I would hear the guys using, but it just didn't fit my voice. And it was showing in my results. I wasn't doing so hot the first three or four months. And so I really had to broaden out, find those, um, you know, uh, mentors and advisors, and they don't have to be exclusively female, right? But I realized that I needed to find my voice more. And I ended up becoming the number one SDR globally on my sixth month because I made that mindset, mindset shift, right? I didn't have to talk about sports as the small talk. And again, nothing wrong with that, but I needed to find something that I actually, you know, was authentic to me. And I did. And I, you know, I realized that it ended up becoming my superpower. Sometimes you feel weird being different, right? Or feeling like you're the only one, but you know, we need more voices, more women, more people of color, more people of diverse backgrounds, being their authentic self in the business world. So I started to lean in hard to it and eventually found some female uh, mentors outside of my company, my previous company. But I realize it's it's not all gender, right? Like I get inspiration from people who look like me, right? Who talk like me, who have similar interests. I think we all do, but there's a lot of amazing leaders out there. And I ended up finding a ton of male sponsors who and mentors who are incredible salespeople. And I learned a lot of tips. So I think it's important to keep an open mind and be inclusive. And I, I hope to see more leaders become diverse with time. That's like the major ding, ding, ding right there is the, the finding your authenticity in your sales, uh, you know, practice and in your craft. Like it's when you, whenever you start, you know, you, you want to just kind of follow whoever the best people are or what you think is going to be a good salesperson. So it could be like the super extroverted, you know, talking with the hand slick hair guy, like, <laughs> you know, that we see on movies or whatever it is. And 
Now, the best salespeople I've met are not like that. You know, a lot of them, some of them are really quiet and great listeners and ask great questions. Some of them are very flamboyant and like make amazing rapport and connections with people. Some, you know, remember just like the smallest details and remember your dog's birthday and like that type of stuff. And some people connect about sports, some people connect about speech and debate, some connect about all these different things. And I think until you can kind of get comfortable with who you are and use that as your superpower, um, I think there's going to be a limit on what you can do in sales. And so I think it's a process. It takes time and it takes, you know, falling down a couple of times and, and courage to do that. But that I think more than most things is just like can take you up about three levels in your sales game. It's just like, no, I'm, we're all weird in our own way. We're all different in our own way. Let's lean into that and, uh, and just, and just, you know, use that as, as your kind of like way to connect with people. Absolutely. When, you know, when you're true to yourself, you feel better. I think about how you're coming across. It's your authenticity. You don't have to fit this mold, right? Like you said, I think it's good to look at the top performer, what you see people, you know, successful people doing but mold it to be yourself and it, your success will start to skyrocket because that authenticity is huge in our world. Mm. Rachel, I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation. I just want you Me to know too. that. Um, I want to get to some rapid fires, let people know sure. a little bit more about you. Um, first and foremost, you mentioned, um, I think it was called The Confidence Code as a book before. Um, any other books that have been really impactful to you as a person as a seller as whatever you know any any topic is fair game but just curious if anything stands out hmm. i mean we all know the classic sales ones right the challenger sale um lots yeah. of prospecting ones but as we've really centered on this discussion i think a lot of success comes from the mindset piece and also taking good care of yourself and so the confidence code has been huge i love the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. It changed my life. Yeah. Um, and just flipping your perspective on time management and productivity and what's possible. Right. And uh, on the health side too, again, not sales related, but one of my favorite books is how not to die. And I know it sounds a little mm. extreme, but it's really all about the plant-based lifestyle, what you can do to exercise, take good care of yourself. And I think taking good care of yourself leads to good success in the business world and in sales and having that mindset and, you know, being in a good flow. And so many people, I think, you know, don't prioritize that enough. And so, yeah, not a sales book, but I think it's had a huge, huge impact on me and getting ahead. I mean, one of the first questions I'd ask someone if they were in a rut would be like, well, are you sleeping? Like, are you eating well? Like, when's the last time you went on a run, you know, or, uh, or did yoga class or something like that? Like those, those types of things are um, super, super important. I think the, the science is growing on that for, I mean, it's been around for, you know, athletes for a long time, but it's, it's translating exactly. to all of us and anyone that wants to be a high performer. So I love that. I've not read that book, but I'm going to get it. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the Tim Ferriss lifestyle. We mentioned in your post earlier that not only did you do all that great sales, uh, have those accomplishments, but you took two international trips. It seems like um, those two goals can be opposed. So I'm curious, like, what's your, how do you frame that mindset of, um, you know, wanting to kill it at work, but also like having these other personal things that you want to do and take vacations and see the world? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think 
a lot of us in sales have that ambitious mindset, but it doesn't have to be exclusive to work, right? I think you can take that ambition elsewhere. And I get a lot of energy and fuel from other parts of my life too. Sales is a big one. I, I'm a sucker for it. I love it. But travel is another big one. And I have big ambitions to see the world. Uh, my partner and I try to prioritize a, an international trip every six months. It gives us a lot of energy and um, yeah, hopefully in the, between our next gigs, we're going to do like a three month trip or a six month trip around the world and just take a little break. And I think that's healthy, right? Like you got to have the ambition for work, but other parts of life too. And right now I'm super into crypto and NFTs and that's been a huge passion of mine. So yeah, just taking that learner's mindset and ambition to do a lot and see a lot into other aspects of life too. What's your number one, uh, vacation destination or best place you've been to? Mm, a hard one. <laughs> I think I would have to say the French Polynesia in Bora Bora. It was just Ooh. so remarkable. The water, the wildlife, um, just feeling like so remote. And I won during my first quarter ever as an account executive, the spiff for 10 K to go anywhere I wanted in the world with a plus one. And so I chose wow. Bora Bora and it was, oh yeah. <laughs> And you're like, I like sales. I like sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm staying here. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, all right. What goes on in the Rachel Gasparini headphones music wise on Spotify or wherever you tune in? You mm. mentioned Cardi B. I mean, I, I kind of like to keep it diversified depending on the mood. I like a lot of rap, hip hop, EDM. But I would say like getting ready for the day or getting like pumped up before a call. I love Megan Thee Stallion, Kanye West, Cardi B. Um, yeah, Tell me you've know. seen Kanye's new documentary. <laughs> I have. I'm actually anxiously awaiting for the third episode to come out. I think it's only it just two, dropped. So. Did it? I'm behind. I watched it last part of it last night, like 30 minutes of it. Nice. It's, okay. Just for everyone out here that's like, all right, believe in yourself, all that. Go watch that documentary and try to believe in yourself like one one hundredth as much as Kanye does and you will be very successful. I'm sorry. It's so freaking inspiring. <laughs> he he was knocked down so many times and this guy believed in himself and he made it happen. I feel like he's the perfect representation for this talk right now. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, okay, what other ways do you like to learn outside of books? Like, are you a a podcast listener you like blogs or follow people on instagram or youtube anything that you've been uh, getting into recently yeah i keep it pretty diversified um you know to be totally truthfully honest right now i've been decreasing the amount of information coming to my mind i think a lot of us can get overwhelmed by information overload in the current world that we live in i've taken a social media break for the last two months i mean besides linkedin but you know, Instagram, all of that, TikTok, and even the podcast too. I feel like I just needed to like refresh a little bit, bring it back to the basics, um, enjoy my hobbies. So yeah, I, I generally speaking, right. I do get a lot of career inspiration from blog posts, LinkedIn, these type of conversations go a long way for me to learn from others, but I'm actually trying to decrease the information right now and just keep it simple. Yeah, I love it. I'm off uh, off social media than LinkedIn as well right now. It's a good, it's been a good break. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Who else 
would you want to see come on the millennial sales podcast? Hmm. I mean, the badass VP of sales, Tammy Sexton, I was referencing earlier. She's Tammy, come on. Sales here at Launch Darkly. (laughs) She's got so much charisma and is an incredible leader. And I just think so many people would benefit from hearing a little from Tammy. All right, Tammy, you're now on my prospecting list. (laughs) (laughs) I think she'll say yes. Yeah. Um, Rachel, uh, my last question for you is, um, we've talked about so many great things. I'm super impressed with your story um, and I'm excited to see what you do in the future. I'd love just, if you have any words of advice for someone that's dialing in, that's listening, that's, you know, a BDR, let's say a young female BDR or first time AE that has these dreams, is inspired by what you're saying, um, but maybe going through a tough spot, like any last, I guess, pieces of, of advice or, or thoughts that you'd want to share with someone like that? Stay scrappy, stay humble, get your dreams on paper. It doesn't have to be someone else's dreams. Figure out what those are for you and have it front and center in front of you every single day. It's so powerful. Find your people and they will lift you up. That's, that's my advice. I love it. This has been uh, probably the best conversation I've had all week. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you took the time Um, before we let you go. Obviously, where is the best place for folks if they want to reach out to you? Obviously it's not uh, Instagram or TikTok nowadays. So what's the best (laughs) spot? Yeah, for sure. LinkedIn is great. Um, My inbox is always open. I love connecting with people. So thanks again for the opportunity, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for checking out that episode, start of the year. Let's kick some ass. Again, one of my goals for this show is to get as many subscribers uh, wherever you're listening here uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. Subscribe, leave a review, and then hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo, uh, or any of my other socials at Tommy Tahoe. Look forward to connecting with you there. Peace.